Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week I'm joined by Joel Prusky, our cross-currency and OIS trader. This episode is titled, Not So Fast. I'm Ben Reitzes, and you're listening to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC sales and trading team to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep the show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. Hi, Joel. Welcome to 2024. You're the first guest I'm having this year, and I don't want to admit it to you, to your face, but you're, you're, I enjoy having you on. It makes you, me happy. You, you literally just admitted it to my face. I said I don't want to, but I am. But you did. Well, thank you, Ben. And, you know, I will say that this is the best podcast I've ever been a guest of as well. Because it's the only podcast you've ever been a guest of. And so that, see, this is why I don't like to tell you things. <laughs> but that's the way life goes. So 2024 setting up to be an interesting year. Busy week this week so far. We're recording a bit early this week. It's Tuesday instead of Wednesday. We got CPI this morning. Business Outlook survey yesterday. The Bank of Canada's next week. There was a pretty aggressive rally in rates into year end. And now it's it's going the other way. Why don't we start with the bank? Because I think I think it's pretty straightforward at this point. But what are your thoughts on next week? And and maybe when do you think they could start cutting? Well, I mean, I think next week's should be a pretty much hem on rye meeting. You know, uh, rates aren't going to change. I think the bank has enough uh, evidence to say the time is not right yet to cut rates. I think growth is slowing. I, I think anecdotally, people probably went nuts over Christmas and did their last hurrah spending wise. And I think, you know, January is a retracement time anyway. So, you know, empty stores aren't indicative of anything. But I, I think, you know, growth is slowing. Inflation is heading in the right direction, maybe not as fast as the bank would like. I think that they will be hesitant to give the market too much, given that we already have so much rate cuts priced in. I think before CPI today, we had over 100 by September. And I think we're just under 100 by September, you know. So my guess is it's pretty much, you know, the old two-handed economist stuff, right? This is good. This isn't so good. You know, rates are broadly appropriate for now. That being said, you know, I, I do think there has been progress in the inflation front and that rates at 5% are probably a little too restrictive. And that at some point rates will, should, I think, come down to be slightly less restrictive because of the gains that we've had in inflation. The problem is it's an impossible message for the Bank of Canada to get out there. Whatever they do will be acted upon. It'll be, oh, uh, you know, I see you're 50, I raise you 150. And and that, you know, so I, I think because of that, they'll be hesitant to give the market too much. I, I think uh, I do. I think they should probably be starting to cut rates in March or April myself, like a quarter point. The problem is, you know, again, with the messaging, because the market will say, oh, my God, they're starting. Most of the guys in the market are um, too young to really know what average rates were over a real point of time. And they'll immediately think, well, next stop, 2%. And I'm not sure we'll see 2% in my career again in overnight rates. So I, I agree generally. If they do start or when they start cutting, I guess, 
yeah, it'll, it, we will get a big rally. I think we'll go way too far, way too fast. That, that I, I, I believe pretty strongly that'll be a selling opportunity at the time, whenever that comes, whether that's whatever, one cut, two cut, three cuts in, at some point in that, in that cycle, you're going to get a, a very good selling opportunity. What I thought you said was maybe a little more interesting was, I guess it, it, it really, for me, it struck the difference between the bank and the Fed, whereas like the Fed is really focused on where real policy rates are and not being overly restrictive, whereas the bank doesn't really have that luxury, it seems, because they're so focused on inflation and hitting their inflation target. If they're not at least on their way or very close to that point, it's hard for the Bank Canada to, to message that they're allowed to be cutting rates or that they should be cutting rates, whereas the Fed's like, well, we know we're moving in the right direction. Uh, we don't want the economy to get too weak. So we're going to cut whatever. If it's 100 and bring real policy rates from, I don't know, plus 250 to 150, and, and, and we think that's still restrictive, uh, and, and that enables us to cut, whereas the bank doesn't, ha- at least not yet, they haven't provided that messaging yet. And I, I think it's going to be hard for them to do that, and especially because in the business outlook survey and in the consumer survey, inflation expectations are still pretty high. Like they barely moved down on the consumer side, and they did not move down on the business side. So like their almost number one job still is to contain inflation expectations to keep inflation coming down. Because if they don't, everyone's going to want three, four, five, six, seven percent wage growth in perpetuity. And that's not two percent inflation. So there's two things I'll say to that uh, about that. I guess the first thing is the bank has talked about not wanting to over tighten. They have talked about that concept. Now, what that means in practice, I don't really know. And we haven't really heard from them in a long time. So there are growth numbers that continue to show weakness and they're going to have to answer for. So I don't, I agree that they haven't said that yet. I don't know that it's not forthcoming. They could change. They could change, admittedly, but they haven't yet. They haven't yet. But yet we haven't heard from the bank. I guess my point is we haven't heard from the bank in a long time. We have to keep come and hear what he says next week. And he asked, he's going to answer questions. There's going to be questions asked about things like that. There is obviously a slowing going on in the economy. The other thing is the central banks are, of the world are high-fiving themselves because they've managed to lower the rate of increase of prices. This is a derivative, not an actual lowering of prices. And people are still pissed off when they go to the grocery store, still pissed off when they're trying to buy something that costs a lot more than it used to. That I think that's a challenge that I don't know how other central banks ever get around because people say oh, the central bank's going to high five themselves when they get to two, and the guy's going to say grocery bill went from one eighty to three hundred bucks, and why you guys think you're doing such a good job? Now they're still going to be happier with lower rates, but how we manage to live with overall higher prices and not want uh, wage growth to continue is going to be a problem because real. You know, people do deserve real wage gains. There's an answer there. The, the, okay. I mean, the, the, the answer is it's not that easy one. But the way out is is kind of an extended period of reasonable inflation with some productivity gains to give you real wage growth over a multi-year period. And so you do get some catch up there right. and you don't really see it. It's kind of like the past, the prior 10 plus years or so where there was really no inflation. Like you couldn't see the inflation. It was there a little bit, but you could see it. Not day to day, that's for sure. And not week to week and not month to month. But was that off productivity or was that um, off just such a low inflation rate of 2% is noise-ish for most people? Yes, that mostly. That like yeah. inflation is so low that it, you don't really realize it. And there were some productivity gains. It, it was there. Not great, but it was there. Yeah. Uh, and so you did get some some incremental improvement. Uh, so we need to return to that. And that that's the answer. I think that's what they're striving for. Good luck. Um, Bank Canada can't do anything about the productivity gains. No, they cannot. Unfortunately not. And I 
I don't really see how that improves in Canada. Like we, I mean, this is a totally other conversation, but it's hard to see Canada getting out of this productivity funk at all. Like there, if you think about what drives productivity, like you have to incent people to want to work harder, to want to work better, to want to work smarter, to want to work more efficiently. And so there's a few ways of doing that. One, investment's a, a way to do that. On the production side of things, you buy machines that make things more efficiently, need less people, productivity goes up, sure. Uh, do we only produce stuff? Definitely not. Like there's a whole other side of this. Uh, and, and so for for people in general, it's, it's like the technology side does matter a lot. And is Canada a tech hub of the world? Not even close. And why is that? Like what? I thought we had a pretty good tech industry. How about getting our last time you heard about that? What year was it? I mean, we have Mars here, which does some amazing thing. I know Google hires a ton of people. Where's Google? Well, we're their headquarters, but they hire a lot of Canadian programmers. I understand. How about getting the federal government to actually not be anti-oil and gas, a commodity that at some point in the future, whether it's 10 or 50 years, no one will have a demand for in theory. How about saying, let's sell what we have now while we while people care about it yep. and there's high prices for it. Yeah, but it's more than that. Like allowing the companies to operate in a way that they can develop their intellectual property that you can sell to other oil and gas producers in the world to make things more efficient, be it on the carbon side or not, it doesn't really matter. Uh, stuff like that. And just incent good people, smart people, people that are highly productive to want to come and stay in this country instead of taxing them to death would be kind of my, that's- I'm all for that. I mean, personally, sure. that, 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 that's my bias, obviously. I just, if, if you can choose, if you're a, it doesn't really matter where you're from, honestly, you, you'd be from Canada, it doesn't make a difference. Like if you don't necessarily have family ties to keep you in one place and you can get a similar job in Canada, the US, it, 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 the lifestyle you're gonna get in the US, especially given the inflation costs over the past couple of years and uh, the housing troubles in Canada, you just get a better lifestyle in the US to some extent. And like, I, I know that's debatable and I'm, I'm sure I'll get tons of people yelling at me, um, but that's, that's how I see things now, given what I see from the people that I know that have moved to the US. I mean, not, not recently, but like 10, 15, 20 years ago. For those in the higher income bracket, it, it can be a better lifestyle. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think the tax rates are egregious in Canada. I think everyone will agree to that. At least the people who pay the taxes will agree to that. Um, actually, so it's not the rate actually that's so bad, the, the thresholds in which they kick in. I think is, the, rate, I the think rate's any, not great. I think any time a marginal tax is above 50%, it's criminally irresponsible. I agree. But, but that aside, I also think there's a breakdown of the social contract going on right now. And I mean, part of the social contract in Canada was that it's a safe place to live and you have health care. And accessible to healthcare, and I think that the federal or provincial, whoever you want to blame, a finger point, are failing on the healthcare side badly. And whether Canada is a safe place to live, arguably, it's a lot less safe than it was a year, ten, whatever, five years ago. But to me, the, that breakdown of the social contract—that's not just happening here; it's happening in the UK as well, other places. Once that happens, I think they start to lose control. And, and what what that looks like ultimately is is like you, you talk about upper income people—they're going to leave. They're going to say, you know what, maybe who, maybe I, I could live with 20% less tax rates somewhere else and I'll pay for my own hip replacement and I won't have to wait two and a half years for it because that's not the government doing their part of the bargain. We've gone way off. We have here, gone so let's off. go. Let's go back here to the bank. So when do you think they cut? I, I think April's probably not unreasonable if they continue to see growth slowing and 
as you so astutely pointed out, today CPIX is actually heading in the right direction. If they only had not introduced the 17 other measures of inflation, they could have point to some success and they could maybe start going. But but again, I think the messaging is going to get very hard for them to, you know, how, how to start going and not have the market get uh, too much out of control. So let, let's say, I, I think April, I think not. Is, it, is, is April contingent on the Fed going first? No, I don't think so. Okay. And you think- I mean, I, I like to believe that that's not the case. Okay. Uh, why, why would the, unless the Canadian dollar was at 145, I don't know why the bank Canada should care what the Fed does and when. So I guess, so April, just mostly then on the economy rather than inflation. Because of the inflation, like the metrics that you're not getting to where I think you need to be by April. It's, it's, it was hard before. Now it's like, I, I, you need negatives at some point in the next few months to get to where you need to be on a year-over-year basis mm-hmm. and, on the, and, and in the shorter-term metrics to, to get where the bank will be comfortable cutting because we're miles I guess, from there I guess now. it also depends. The bank we know is model-driven, so it also depends on some of the other data, right? If, if you start to see retail sales fall off a cliff, if you see some of these other things, they know that over time that will kick in. And I, they, they can't afford to let the economy go into a deep, deep recession I, I, you know, I think they're political. I know everyone says central banks are not political. I think that's a bunch of crap. I think they're all political at the margin. And if you start to see that, I think they'll have some comfort that they can take rates from. But taking rates from five to four, I think, is still restrictive. Yeah, it is. So, so deep recessions, you're kind of need. You need some. You need it needs. Things need to start unraveling. They need to worse be com- than they already are. They need to be comfortable that that that's that's what the path they're going down if they keep rates at five percent. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I won't won't dispute that point. I, I, mean, I, I think have, March is too soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, remember, it's very hard to determine what the real percentages are because core is so polluted right now. Right, core is coming in at five five beeps over target. So when you look at where things are trading, you think, oh, they're pricing in this percentage. Well, they're pricing in that and a normalization of Quora. Yep. You know, so things get, are getting a little bit wonky. And, you know, it, it gets a little bit hard. But I mean, arguably, at, at, even after today's sell-off, April is almost fully priced for uh, a full 25 beeps cut, given where Quora has been setting. So, so monthly GDP has been pretty much flat for most of 2023. November's looking, I mean, I, I kind of get about zero. It uh, depends on how much weight you want to put on hours work, but it doesn't doesn't look like things are great by any means to end the year. You're saying it has to get worse. I'm 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 not convinced things are going to get that much worse. Like we, I think incrementally we continue to get the hit on the mortgage front, but I, I don't know if things deteriorate further from where we are, and and that that's where I'm I'm kind of torn on on when they might be easing. I think I'm I'm a little bit more focused on the U.S. right now in that like if the U.S. hangs in there. Don't know why Canada is going to weaken even more than we already have. It's just kind of we we kind of meander sideways around zero growth for for a little bit longer. Whereas if the U.S. falls off, if they weaken a lot and you get some negatives there or some zeros on GDP, then Canada probably looks a lot worse. Uh, but I think we get that. That'll be the story over the next kind of three to six months or so. We'll know how much of an impact the rate hikes in the U.S. have had on the U.S. economy at the end of the day versus kind of where we are now, where things have been surprisingly resilient, I guess, to say the least. And maybe that's driven by fiscal policy um, entirely. I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, that that's what I'm more focused on. And, and uh, one of the narratives that I'm, I'm keen on at least discussing is like, okay, well, the U.S., the Fed has raised rates 525 basis points. And the U.S. economy, let's say, let's live in a world in which, you know what, it doesn't weaken off that much. 
Inflation continues so, to, to fall off, but in the, the, the economy two and a half percent hangs growth. in there. Uh, whatever, one to two and a half percent. It doesn't even have to be that that strong. Uh, inflation continues to trickle down, at least for a little bit. Fed unit says, you know what? We don't need rates to be this tight on net, and we're going to cut 100 basis points over the course of this year. 2025 comes, and guess what? Well, those rate cuts have, have re-sparked growth a little bit. You go back to 2.5% growth or higher, maybe 3 3.5% growth, who knows? And inflation picks up again, and rates have to go higher again. I can see that happening pretty easily, and the market would get just sideswiped pretty sure. badly on that. Because they'll, they'll have things like two-year, one-year, three-year, one-year, two-and-a-quarter. Well, that's After kind of the big rally, and, and it'll be clearly that, that two-and-a-quarter is like an emergency level of funds from now on, not zero. But you know that I think that whole psychology takes a long time to play out. Like, yeah, this that's, is that's almost a, it'll take a generation for the market to understand that that that's not how it's going to be. And part of that will change, I think, if the long end continues to have lack of sponsorship and you really steepen the curves out, then you're not going to see those forwards as deep discounted as you are because you'll have things like uh, tens bonds in Canada will be plus eighty and and you know. Canada, U.S. won't be minus 102, it'll be flat or whatever, or, or minus 30. And, you know, as a much steeper curve comes, the forwards won't look as silly. I mean, part of the reason why the forwards can look as silly is because we have such a flat curve in Canada. And so you're saying you don't think that the, the curve is going to stay as flat as it is in the long end is going to sell off maybe materially from here? I mean, I, I don't know why anyone would buy a long bond ever. I mean, I've, never, I've been saying that since they were at three quarters of a percent. I still think at, at the current yields, are, you're not offered enough inflation protection. I get it. There's investment counselors who have money to spend and they don't really care the price. And I get all that stuff. But I think, you know, you saw what happened in the UK when things get out of control on the fiscal side and they can't rein it in and people are, do silly things. And I think that was the canary in the coal mine. And I think you have to be cognizant that that could easily happen very quickly. I think we're going to a multipolar world. I think the U.S. dollar is eh, whatever. I don't think. I think Donald Trump wins. It gets even worse because he doesn't he want to engage with the rest of the world. He he prefers an America first, and that's fine. I think that's they. You want to vote him in, and that's what you want out of your country. That's great. But there is an exorbitant privilege that goes with being the currency of the world, and you will you are already in the process of losing that. I think an election by the Republicans will probably. Uh, speed that up a little bit. And I think that will mean higher yields in the long end. And I think that will absolutely spill over to Canada. And I think we're due for steeper curves. Absolutely. There's too much debt out there. Someone needs, and who's going to buy your debt? Saudis aren't going to buy it. The Chinese aren't going to buy it. The Russians aren't going to buy it. You just, uh, you, you just confiscated all this Russian money that you claim you're going to give to the Ukraine, for example. Why would any foreign entity buy US dollar denominated debt when it can be taken away from them at any time. Is this a 2024 story? No, but who cares? I mean, I mean, I care. Pretty I sure mean, everybody it, cares what year <laughs> well, but, matters. But, but I, I guess, I mean, if you want a big macro view, does that, it doesn't mean you can't make money being long, long bonds and they could rally 30 beeps, but the next 200 basis points in long bonds is higher in yield, not lower. Okay, I think. I'll buy that. Yeah, that's fair. So that's, that, that, that's reasonable. Near term, I'm kind of not, not constructive today, but I think we, sell off another 10 basis points and things look a little bit better. Could be. Uh, just I just kinda, think at just 100, beeps, 100 beeps through the U.S., I'm like, why would I bother? Like, yes. you know, that, that just doesn't, there's just not enough yield compensation on such a, and we have such a flat curve. I'm like, why? Yes, Canada, U.S. and, and Canada, 10s, 30s should, should. Those kind of We trades. should cheapen, definitely. Yeah. That, that That's pretty clear. 
All right, Joel, that was a, a pretty good start to the year here. Pretty uh, compelling conversation. Hopefully, I didn't get myself into too much trouble. We never talked about my Jordans. I mean, we're, we're going to leave your Jordans aside. Uh, we I did we get got into pair. taxes I, and social stuff. And I we got probably a new pair, Benny. So. I should have worn them today for you. Uh, next time. They're beautiful. Next, I look forward to orange uh, print on them. Uh, next time. Right. I, I look forward to seeing your beautiful shoe collection one day. Uh, trade ideas. What do you got to start the year? Well, in the very front end, uh, like OIS stuff, I honestly don't see a lot of you know, great value. I mean, some of those meeting switches got to like more than minus 25 the other day. And I think like if you've been in the flattener of money market flatteners, I don't know why after minus 25, you'd be hanging around. Like it's time to take them off. I think uh, one, your T-bills are super cheap to the first couple meetings. Uh, that's a trade we wound up putting on today. But I, I just don't, I don't see a ton of like great trades because I think it's, you know, all it takes is one crucial piece of data and the entire complex in the front end could change. Like one really weak number and all of a sudden, boom, you know, they don't care what the bank may have said three weeks ago or five weeks ago at their last meeting. Here's something that, that a big piece of information. In the cross-currency space, I mean, that that thing is, uh, uh, you know, as thin and as, as illiquid as ever. You've got a lot of dealers out there who are very myopic in their risk-taking, so they don't really spend a lot of time looking at the curve. All they care about is, uh, I'm in this sector, I need to get out of the sector. So we have a lot of micro trades that uh, historically have paid off well. And, you know, sometimes you have to wait and wait till some come up, but but we're back, the curve's getting pushed around again and silly. So there's a lot of like good little, you know, single and doubles out there. Um, things like uh, four-year, two-year, eight-year, two-year, for example, or four-year, two-year, 10-year, two-year, I love right now. That's kind of my favorite trade at the moment. There's also a lot of other little micro trades. And uh, if anyone's listening is interested, uh, just reach out to me on Bloomberg and we'll uh, put a few of them in front of you. But I think that's an ongoing, I think that that those opportunities are going to be ongoing because I think we live in a world where we're really hemmed in by uh, regulation. And I also think we have a generation of guys who've taught that uh, no risk is the right risk. And that's perfectly fine. We love them for that. But, you know, that doesn't mean that like no, there's the difference between no risk and, and, and uh, smart risk. And we like to be on the right side of that equation. So, okay. Why don't we leave it there? Thanks for coming on, Joel. And uh, I will most definitely have you gone again uh, relatively soon. Thanks, Benny. Happy Pleasure, year, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.